I think I'm getting old. Huh? Yes, would you hand those out for me, Craig? Can you do that? Mary, would you help Craig please hand those out? Thank you very much. And by that I mean this. Um, neat. when I was about, I think probably, I guess when I was 16 or 17, I don't know when that was written, but about that time, I was in a quartet, as I've told you before, and that song was sung, and I'm pretty sure we sang that song. And now, guess what? Forty-some-odd years later, you know, his hand's still faithful. Guys, I heard one amen. It's worthy more than one. God's hand is faithful. And some of y'all have been walking with Jesus for five and six decades, and Jesus Christ is faithful. And some of you are young yet, and you're going to walk with Jesus and perhaps see the rapture of the church. I don't know, but you're going to find out that still guided by the unseen hand, his hand is faithful. And that is a good, good thing. I just can't believe how many years have come and gone. I really cannot believe that. Um, it's quite an amazing thing. Well, um, this afternoon, um, we uh, took a journey to Carrier Mills, and David and I, and several, a lot of our church, by the way, we have probably another 12 people down at the uh, Carrier Mills First Baptist Church, and they're finishing up the annual meeting tonight for the Selene Baptist Association, and we chose to go ahead and have church here, and they're going to do their thing there. Um, but anyway, so this afternoon, we spent two and a half hours down there, got out, we left about five o'clock um, to come be with you guys tonight. And then one thing I wanted to share with you tonight that I think was a real blessing. Um, so often I as a, I have a, a tendency to be a little bit of a perfectionist. And, uh, and, and David and them would choke about that time. Um, but anyway, I was very pleased as Randy, or Rusty said, you know, would you, if you have a testimony about something your church is doing, if you've been on a mission trip, if you've done this, if you'd like to share. And several, several times this afternoon as he did that, Members of our church, including one non-member of our church who helped cut hair during the back to school, who goes to another church, um, several times Dorsville's name was mentioned. And it was doing things like the, the back to school. It was doing uh, things like the, um, the CAC, going to Uganda, going to Nicaragua, going to Canada. It's just a really cool thing to hear our church name mentioned as an active church. And so tonight I tell you that to give God the glory and thank Him that we are an active church. That I really think, you know, and this is a good thing. I think it's, I think it can be said correctly. It's, it's a good thing that we are setting an example for other churches. I really think it's a good thing. Churches need a good example. And I'm very grateful that Dorisville is the kind of church that sets an example to be a doing and giving and going church. So God bless you. And I pray that's a blessing to you as it was a blessing to me this afternoon. Now, what I'd like for you to do is get your Bibles out and take to Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. A very uh, common and popular passage of Scripture, a well-known passage of Scripture. And I wanted to share with you, I titled the message tonight, Do You Mind? And this is a Scripture that ties in with last week's message. Um, let me read that to you again from Philippians chapter 4. You go ahead and go to Philippians chapter 2. We're going to be in Philippians chapter 4 just for a moment. Because it ties in, and I don't think I mentioned this earlier last week, but I'll mention it now. If you remember the opening scripture last week from Philippians chapter 4, it says something like this. Therefore, my beloved and longed-for brethren, my joy and crown, so steadfast in the Lord, beloved. I implore Euodia and I implore Sintica to be of the same mind in the Lord. Now, you remember what that was about? There, there were two, well, Craig, there were two women, all right, in the church 
at Philippi. And it's a good church. It's a strong church. You know, if you want an example of a, a very carnal church, you look at Corinth. If you want an example of a, a pretty solid church, it would be the, be the church at Philippi. Um, the, theme, the, the, the theme for the Corinthian church in both letters was more correction than anything. And the theme in the church to the letter to Philippi was that of joy, uh, of being a joy. And so we had this situation, but in this church, there were two ladies. And if you read a little bit further down, you'd see that, that they were strong gospel people. They were really strong workers with Paul. And somehow they got crossways. Sometimes they, somehow they got crossways and they had a, a fuss between the two of them. And it, it probably was not a doctrinal area. It wasn't something that they, they disagreed doctrinally. They just got crossways. And sometimes that happens. And sometimes it happens to the very best of people. Something I wanted to share last week and did not share, I'll, I'll share now, is as you know, some of you know, one of my favorite pastor teachers is Andy Stanley. And he, of course, is the son of Charles Stanley. If you've been around a while and you know anything about, about uh, I hate to use the word famous pastors, but really that's what Charles Stanley is. He's been around for decades and decades. He's now almost 80 years old. He pastors the First Baptist Church of Atlanta, has a wonderful ministry there, and has for such a long, long time. Well, interestingly enough, if you remember right, um, Charles was going through a divorce with his wife. And before you gasp and fall over, it was really a, the bottom line was she was not mentally able to maintain the marriage. She, she had in her mind that, that it just needed to end. And, and I like what some, someone said, if your wife chooses to divorce you, I mean, she, there's nothing you can do to stop her. She's going to do that. And that's basically what happened. Now, I'm not going to say Charles was totally innocent, but in the case, most of it, she desired the divorce. And so because of that, there was a, a, a large, no, 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 there was a section of the population of First Baptist Church of Atlanta that thought Charles Stanley ought to resign. And he said, listen, I didn't cause this divorce. I mean, as far as I didn't seek the divorce, and uh, I feel like God's not done with me here. And so there was a lot of contention in the church over that. Well, Andy, uh, Charles' son, was on staff at that time and was actually pastoring a satellite church of First Baptist Church of Atlanta, running about 2,000 people. And so one day he walked into the office and just told his dad, you know, Dad, I think his dad said, what do you think I ought to do? And he said to his dad, I think you ought to resign. And if the people want you back as their pastor, then they'll reelect you as pastor. And it made Charles very, very angry. He said, today you have become one of my enemies. And so these two men who just godly, I mean just godly men, just became like this. And, and it went on for several, several years. And not only were they father son, but they were godly men. But they got crossways. And he tells a story. By the way, if you'd like to know more about this, if you'll look up on your internet, um, Deep and Wide, a book by Andy Stanley, um, there's a, the full story is in there about the, the trouble with his dad and also the reconciliation process. It's really worth reading. It really is. But he said, I remember so clearly a time when we were at I, either his house or my house, I'm not sure, you know, Andy's house or Charles's house, and these two ultra-godly men who just loved Jesus to death were screaming at each other like, and these are Andy's words, like two preschoolers. I'm sorry, like two middle schoolers. Just screaming at each other. And how did that happen? How does that happen? How does it ever happen? How, how do two people in a marriage... That two godly people, I mean, two people who, who love Jesus and they find themselves crossways. How, how do two friends find themselves 
crossways? How, how do two students in high school who, who really care for each other, you know, as, as friends end up crossways? How, how does a pastor in a church end up crossways? And, and frankly, it just happens sometimes. It just happens. But the good news is, is that, that God doesn't want it to stay that way. If you're crossways tonight with someone, God doesn't want to stay that way. If you're crossways with your spouse or with your, with your husband or your wife, God doesn't want to stay that way. If you're crossways with someone at work, God doesn't want to stay that way. And so, so what happened was, after he implores these two ladies to come back together and implores this person that we don't know who it is to help them come back together. Again, I quoted Galatians chapter 6 and verse 1. If a brother be overtaken a fault, you are spiritual, seek restore that person. So sometimes we can act as referee in helping two people come back together. Because when two brothers are crossways or two sisters are crossways or a husband and wife are crossways, not only is it hurting their relationship, it often hurts the relationship in the church, but not only is it hurt the relationship in the church, often it affects you know, the relationship or the appearance of Christ in the world. I mean, what happened between Charles Stanley and Andy Stanley made national news. And it was not a very pretty picture. Now, praise God, like CNN did a follow-up report, and they talked about the reconciliation and how God had brought back them back together again. So that was a really good thing. Well, I told you that day, I think, that most theologians believe that, that Philippians chapter 2 was written alluding to chapter 4. That Paul had these two women in mind when he wrote chapter 2. And so what we're going to look at tonight and talk one more time about the things that can draw us and pull us together, whether it be a marriage, a friendship, uh, a, a relationship on the job, or in a church. The things that can pull us together. And then also look at the example of Jesus Christ in those cases. All right? Now here's how he starts out. He gives us four things. Let's, let's look at verse number 1, verse number 2, and then I'll come back and talk a little bit about it. Paul, Paul says these words to the church of Philippi. If then there is any encouragement in Christ, if any consolation of love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy. He saw himself almost as the father of the church. Fulfill my joy by thinking the same way, having the same love, sharing the same feelings, focusing on one goal. Now, most likely, I think it's the New King James and perhaps even the King James translates this word if probably even more correctly than it is if, and that is the word since, since. So since there is encouragement in Christ, since there is consolation of love, since there is fellowship in the Spirit, and since there is affection and mercy. So Paul gives us four things that are very, very important in helping us understand what holds us together. Because I'm telling you, there is plenty in the church today, plenty in relationships that will pull us apart. But Paul gives us four things as believers in Jesus Christ that act like super glue that will hold us together. And the first one is, since there is an encouragement in Christ, since we, he is the common denominator, since he is the one that we share together, we share this common Savior, we share this common grace, we share this common faith in Jesus Christ. And that is an encouraging thing. Would you say amen? That is an encouraging thing. Since we have this encouragement in Christ, since we have a, since we have a Savior who loves us so much, and we share that Savior, since we have that, he goes on and says what we ought to do. Since, since there is a consolation of love. This is that word agape. This is that agape word that means sacrificial dying love. It's a noun. 
And I love the, the verb form of that. The verb form of that means to seek the highest good. It's so great to know. I, I had one of those moments as I was preaching this morning. Now, I mentioned I had a scriptural aha moment, but I also had a God moment. When I said this morning that, you know what, no matter what happens, no matter how the sermon turned out this morning, no matter how you perceive the sermon, no matter how you perceive the sermon tonight, no matter how the finance committee meeting goes tonight after church, no matter what happens when I get home tonight, no matter, no matter, no matter, I'm going to wake up tomorrow morning, or if I wake up tomorrow morning, and here's an indisputable fact. God loves me. Isn't that awesome? God loves me. So if I go tomorrow and I have this little conversation with God about, now God, I surrender my eyes, I surrender my ears, I surrender my heart, and I surrender my mind, I surrender my mouth, and I surrender my hands, I surrender my feet, and I go one hour into the day and, and my eyes don't get surrendered, my heart doesn't happen, guess what? He's still going to love me. And you know what's really crazy? If we could fast forward time 10,000 years, regardless of my performance, hey, Regardless of your performance, if you are a Christ follower, 10,000 years from tonight, you're going to be loved. And that love, that verb form means to seek the highest good. In other words, not only are you loved, but you are loved by a God. Now watch, watch, watch. No matter what your circumstances say, no matter what your friends say, you are being loved by a God who's seeking your highest good. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean what you want. It may not plan out is exactly what you want, but you have a God who is seeking your highest good. Now, there's some consolation in that. Come on now. There's some consolation in that. Isn't it great to know that you're going to wake up tomorrow morning, and no matter what happens tonight, you're loved by the eternal God of the universe. How incredible is that? So Paul says, since we've got this encouragement of Jesus Christ, we've got the, we got the Savior and we are owned and bought and redeemed by Him. Since we are loved by the God of the universe with a dying sacrificial love, a love that's in the verb form that seeks our, seeks our highest good, and since we have fellowship with the Spirit. In other words, that, that the Holy Spirit that dwells in each one of us serves as a bond of fellowship. Bond that binds us together. You know, the Bible says that if you do not have the Spirit of God, you're none of His. So each one of us had the exact same Holy Spirit. Each one of us who know Jesus Christ as Savior had the exact same Holy Spirit living within us. The same helper, the same encourager, the same comforter, the same all in all, the great teacher. All of us had that same Holy Spirit living within us. Since we had that, Paul would say. And since we have an infection and mercy. And you know, have you noticed something? The, the encouragement is in Christ. The constellation of love is God's love, not your love for me or my love for you. And the fellowship of the Spirit, if in my Bible, the word S is clearly capitalized, implying and knowing that it's talking about the Holy Spirit, not just spirit. Then I have a feeling that the words affection and mercy also pertain to God. Since not only we have affection one for another, that God, now listen, 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 God has an affection for us. I want you to think about that just for a moment. God has an affection for us. You know, I happen to think that Judy Taylor is a pretty good person. And I, I know I married up. I mean, I think she's pretty cute. You know, she was really cute when she had little granny glasses and long straight hair in the 70s. It was great. Should have been there. It's really cute. But I, I really am amazed because I, I, I have pretty good respect for her. Now, she's not perfect, okay? But... 
I'm amazed that she loves me. I'm amazed that she has this level of affection for me. Because I told you this morning, I, I gave you a little bit of insight to myself. I was a little bit transparent this morning. You know, sometimes, I don't know about you, but sometimes you look in the mirror and you go, hmm, you know? You, you ever have an angst when you look in the mirror, you know? Well, there's this level of affection that she has for me that it's not physical appearance. She just has an affection for me. God has an affection for you and me. I said it this way one time before. God only loves you. God likes you. God, God really is. You know, in Psalm, uh, in the book of Psalms, I think it's 119, I believe. Probably not. But in, in the book of Psalms where it says, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of the saints. And I was sharing one day at a funeral, and it came to me and occurred to me that God's not there going, I've got to let him in, I've got to let him in. I honestly believe that my that God's heaven in his eyes is more complete when his children are there with him. It's like a gigantic, wonderful homecoming is what heaven's going to be. A gigantic place of worshiping the one true God as trophies of grace for all eternity. It's just amazing. I think it's going to be an incredible, incredible, incredible thing. So we have this affection. And we have this mercy, where mercy translates as unmerited kindness. That, that even, though, even though we didn't deserve kindness, God gave it to us. Now, all that is going on, and listen, listen, all that is going on in every believer's life. Not select few, not those who get it together, not those who figure it out. That in every believer's life, whether it be the church of Philippi or the church at Doorsville, all right? What's going on is there's this encouragement in Christ. There's this consolation of love. There's this fellowship of the Spirit. There's this affection and mercy. So Paul says, with all that going on, regardless of what is not going on, regardless of age difference and economic status difference and style of music difference, style of dress difference, minor doctrinal issues, not talking about the major ones, but minor, minor doctrinal issues, all that's not going, in spite of all that, he says this. Verse 2, fulfill my joy by thinking the same way. Now, he's not talking about robots. He's not talking everybody using the exact same translation of the Bible. He's not, he's not talking about we got to become robots and think a certain way. Or having that the same love, you know, or, or, or having the same feelings all the time. Or, or focusing on the one goal. He's talking as a body of Christ. Because we have all this in common, we can think the same way about those things that matter. We can't understand we have the same love because it's God's love, not our love. We can't have the same feelings, the emotional attachment to each other because we're attached together by Jesus Christ. By focusing on the one goal. And what's the one goal? To promote Christ. Come on, amen? amen. Promote. See, see, you understand how simplistic that is and how cool it is? If it truly, if the, if the doors feel goal is to bring glory to the kingdom of God, that's easy. We just do it. But now if we're worried about, well, this is how we... Here, here's all the minute details. You know, sometimes we can detail things to death. Sometimes a great idea never gets off the ground because we sit down and think of 37 things that's wrong with it instead of the 900 things that's right with it. The one goal is glorify Jesus Christ. Advance the kingdom of God. Now... He, he, now he builds on that and says this in verse number 3. Do nothing out of rivalry. In other words, do nothing out of competition and do nothing out of self-centeredness, out of conceit. 
but rather in humility, in humility, consider others as more important than yourselves. Now, again, what kind of game changer would that be in your marriage? Husbands, if all of a sudden you honestly and sincerely begin to consider others, your wife, as more important than yourselves, how would that change your marriage? Wives, tonight, parents, how would that affect, impact the relationship with your children? As you put them in, understanding the authority thing, understanding all of that, that you really look for the honest, best good for them and everything. What a game changer that would be. What, what if we're willing, each one of us, to hold the door open? You know, we had a... Now, I know y'all do this, right? You get out of the restaurant, and two cars, yours and one more, pull up at the same time. It looks a little full. So what you do is, when the cars pull up and open the doors about the same time, you know you're just about the same distance from the front door. What do you do? Don't give me that. You walk fast. I, I, I've done it before. Hurry up, Judy. Let us go. Well, the other day that kind of happened, although I was being very spiritual and was not trying to hurry necessarily. But I got there, and the young man opened, a young man probably 38, 30, somewhere in there, you know, opened the door and let his mom and dad, I guess, go in. But then he said, go ahead. And I just looked him in the face and I said, thank you very much. Thank you very much. He made a choice. Listen, he made a choice to put me and Judy first. It was refreshing for me. It really was. So Paul says, with this humility, consider others as more important than yourselves. How would that change your Sunday school class? How would that change your relationships in the church? How would it change where you work? If you really thought to put others more important than yourselves. Now, he, he tempers it in verse 4. Everyone should look out not only for his own interest. And, and, you know, I've heard it said before that true humility is not thinking too much of yourself. It's not thinking of yourself at all. That sounds good. That preaches cute. You know, but the bottom line is we do think of ourselves. All right? But look what Paul says. He says, now listen, don't look out only for your own interests. He was a realist. He said, we're going to look out for our own interests, but also for the interests of others. He said, make sure in your realm of influence, in your world as a Christ follower, that yes, we understand you, but don't only think about you. Think about others. Think about others. And guess who comes next? Jesus. It was just like a natural step in the right direction for him to go, now, with that thought in mind, okay, of putting others first, and, and thinking, yes, you're going to think of yourself. Of course, Christ didn't even do that. But, but you think of yourselves, but think about others, like Christ did. Look what he says. Make your own attitude that of Christ Jesus. Now, again, I was, I was so long. I still love the King James. I love the beauty language, you know. Um, you know, let this mind be in you. This is King James, I believe, or New King James. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. In other words, Paul then says to the Philippian church, now, here's the example. Here's the example we want to look at. Here's the example we want to follow. Let this mind be in you, who is also in Christ Jesus, who existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be used for his own advantage. If there was ever anyone 
who could play the cards. If there's anyone who can say, yeah, I'm God. I mean, come on now. I know some of y'all sometimes think you're God, okay? He really was. He really was. I mean, I remember, I remember the, the quote from the movie Gettysburg. There's nothing quite such on earth as a general on the battlefield. You know, and he thinks he's God. Well, you may think you are, but he was God. But he didn't play the God card. That's the incredible part of his humility. He had every right to, to play the God card. He really, Anita, he really could have called 10,000 angels. I mean, I got to thinking today as here they are nailing the Son of God. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things, all things, all things were made through Him. And without Him, nothing was made that was made. Here they were nailing the Creator of the universe, driving spikes through His wrist. He didn't have to flick a finger, and they would have been incinerated. They had no clue the power that they were nailing to a Roman cross. But he chose not to exercise that power. See, you just, you just heard it in John. Jesus didn't start being Jesus the first Christmas morning. Jesus was God as long as God's been God, which is forever. So you go eternity in that direction, you go eternity in that direction, and there was Father, and there was Son, and there was Holy Spirit. They were there. But when He came to earth, He chose to lay aside that power and that authority. Still 100% God. Never seems to be God. We heard one guy was saying, who was it? Joyce Myers or somebody was saying that, that Jesus seeks to be God on the cross. Asinine. Heresy. Jesus has been God and will be God. Eternity past, eternity future. Jesus is God. That's what he is. But, but he, he laid that down. Let me read to you again. Make your own attitude that of Christ Jesus, who existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be used for his own advantage. Now get this. Get, get this. They bring a woman. There are some theologians a lot of theologians who believe she was jerked out of bed because she was committing adultery in the act of adultery, in the act of it. Surely they threw a robe on her. I don't know. But here we have this woman in the very act of adultery. And he, she is flung down by seeing Jesus, the God-man. You know what he says? I mean, in all his holiness, he could... Obs- Where are your accusers? Well, there's none, Lord. Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Is that not incredible? The same God who wrote a leper had to cry out, Leprosy! Leprosy! Unclean! Unclean! A leper walked up and said, Lord... If you will, you can make me clean. And he goes, I will. And he touches the leper. And the leper becomes clean. Isn't that incredible? Jesus, fully God, fully God, fully God, walks into the room. 
and sees that the towel and the basin are still there. And Creator God takes off his outer robe, picks up the basin and a towel, and wipes the dirty feet of mere mortals. Creator God, who with not even a flick of the finger could have destroyed every Roman soldier and all of the garrisons, allows himself to be nailed to a cross. Who existing in the form of God did not consider equality with God as something to be used for his own advantage. He could have played the God card at any moment. If anyone could have played the God card, it was obviously him. But he chose not to. In fact, here's what he did. Instead, verse number 7 and 8, instead he emptied himself. Not of his Godhood, he's still God. He controlled to, to limit his powers. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming, now get this, by assuming the form of a slave, taking on the likeness of men. And when he had become as a man in external form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to the death on a cross. The cruelest of deaths. Cursed is he who hangs on a tree and Jesus willingly, in humility and obedience to his Father, dies. Let this attitude, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. Now, good news is, God's not asking you to be nailed to a tree. He just wants you to love people like Jesus did. He just wants you to be the mouthpiece, the hands and the feet to share this glorious gospel of Jesus Christ wherever we go, with our actions, with our mouths. He, he just wants us to love one another. He just wants us to set the extreme, the extreme example of Christian love to a world that knows nothing of it. He's not even asking you to go to Africa, at least not on a permanent basis, probably. He's just saying... They're going to know you're my disciples by the way that you live, by the way that you love. So Jesus is our example. Now, here's the good part. Now, it's all good, isn't it? It's all good. It really is. So, look, look we know these verses. They're just real common. For this reason God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name. So that the name of Jesus every knee, and that's not universal salvation. Those of us who know Jesus will willingly bow. And those who have defeat, he has defeated will be forced to bow. And those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There is coming a time of glorification for Christ. It will happen. It will happen. And not like that, but there's a time of reward for those 
who follow Christ and serve Christ one day. And again, we've been using this phrase a lot here recently. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joys of your Lord. I don't know how to, I really don't know. I can't get my arms around how it's going to work out in God's economy. I just know that somehow there's a way that God will reward His children. His children. So there's a world out there, and they are like, they're so lost. And here's what Jesus is saying. Here's what God is saying. Here's what God is saying through Paul tonight. You know, we've got this incredible Savior. We've got this awesome love. We've got this awesome Spirit, the Holy Spirit. We've got this incredible affection and mercy. You know, fulfill my joy by, by loving so the world can see what God's love looks like. Remember, you know, what, what did Jesus say to Philip? Philip, if you've seen... Me, you've seen the Father. Didn't Philip say, show us the Father and it will be enough. And Jesus said, you, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Well, we can never be Jesus. But you know what we can be? A mirror. We can reflect the light of the sun. S-O-N. To a dark world. And we do that yeah, with holiness, personal holiness, yeah, I get that. I understand that. But we do that best, best, best when we love one another. In our marriages, in our churches, in our relationships, even when we're going into the barn and we choose to hold the door open and say, you first. You first. Would you bow your heads right there? a good day. I really pray that this morning you were able to have, I had a couple of really good comments this morning. Uh, one person said, you know, I really did not like what you said this morning. He says, but I'm working through it. I knew exactly what he was doing. He wasn't disagreeing with the Word of God. He was saying, I got some issues. Another lady said basically the same thing. But I really pray this morning that the Word of God is working in our lives so we can get past our past and reach forward for that prize. As we close out at least this portion of the Mind Game series, when we think about those two ladies, we think about those two incredibly rock star preachers in America and how they had to come to grips with their relationship and how that Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, became a reality in their life that it too will become a reality in our lives. Again, marriage, school, work, church, Sunday school, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. God, you are so incredibly faithful. Thank you very much for this privilege tonight. Father, for bringing this message, I believe, together. God, speak to our hearts. Please do not let us be guilty of, of pushing this message aside because we happen to use the example of Jesus. And help us not be careful and say, well, of course he was the Son of God, of course. But that same Holy Spirit lives within us. Father, help us to be encouraged by our Savior. We share him together. Help us to be consoled with the fact of your love. 
that tomorrow morning or 10,000 years, as your children, you will still love us the same. Help us, Father, to enjoy the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Spirit, your wonderful affection and your tender and kind mercy. Thank you, Father, for it all. Now, Lord, I don't know what you want to do during the invitation time. Father, if you're drawing someone to yourself for salvation, for church membership, for baptism, someone just to come and pray. Have your way in this time right now. And Jesus, I pray this in your precious name. Amen.